0: Welcome to Infinite Hope, a podcast where we explore what it means to live a life of hope, share practical life skills, and help to build our best life and lift up those living in the greater Boston and beyond. Each podcast, our team here at Grace Chapel sits down with different experts, authors, and leaders to talk about some of the most pressing issues our community is facing and share guidance, insights, and inspiration. Our guests today are Pastor Jeanette, pastor of Missional Partnerships and Multicultural Ministry, and Pastor Tom, who serves at Grace Chapel's East Lexington campus. Today, we're going to talk about shame, failure, honor, and representation. All of these emotions shape us and the choices we make. We will also address some of the hatred and violence against Asian Americans that has occurred recently and examine shame and failure from an Asian culture perspective. Our host is Tim Galley, pastor of Group Life.
1: Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm happy to be here with pastors Jeanette and Tom, and we've been looking forward to having this conversation for weeks. Uh, From a recent sermon a few weeks ago, we were focusing on finding hope in the midst of shame and failure. And there's a lot to appreciate about that message. But one of the best parts of a podcast is being able to focus on a particular aspect or bring a new focus to the topic. And so we want to do a bit of both of that today. Uh, Failure and shame carry a different weight in Eastern and Middle Eastern cultures, notably. And Jeanette and Tom and I want to unpack that. Now, I want to be clear. I as a, an American-born person of Egyptian heritage and my friends here, Jeanette and Tom, we do not speak for everyone in the Eastern or Middle Eastern cultures, uh, but rather we are voices from within. Uh, so with that, we're just gonna jump right in. Jeanette, I wanna start with you. Everyone experiences failure and shame. What are the distinctions of how they are experienced in Asian culture?
2: It's great. And I I just want to clear that up, Tim. I do speak for all Asian peoples. So let's go from there. Um, I think one of the the main things is um, when Asian folks speak about this uh, failure and shame, it's not just um, that I did something wrong, but that I am wrong, that my person, my essence, something, um, it wasn't just the activity of, you know, hurting or harming someone or something, but it's actually my, um, my personhood is, has, has failed. It's not sufficient. <clears throat> so I think of it an example, my, my mom, who was an immigrant from China, um, just had marginal English. Uh, But one thing she learned to do early or communicate to me as a kid growing up is that she would put one finger on top of the other and she would rub one finger across the other and she would say in English, shame on you. And um, it was when I did something, you know, I don't even remember what it was, but I can still feel the... um, the awfulness of the shame of that when she would do that. She would just reserve it for those moments and it would cut to my core and my essence when she would say, shame on you. And um, so deep, And it it was more than the transgression, whatever that was, Uh, but I still remember that to this day. I felt like my person had been a failure and it wasn't just the action or the activity. So somehow Tim, it goes really deep. it gets at your soul it pulls at your gut
1: that's helpful Jeanette thank you Tom I want to ask you similarly we we all experience a sense of this but how can we all gain from understanding how failure and shame again work in the Asian culture context
3: yeah thanks Tim Um, I appreciate that sense of real personal and deepness uh, that Jeanette was talking about but there's also a sense of in which it's also, uh, shame is also very collective and corporate. There's kind of this public community and expectation that we are part of a family, uh, a bigger orga- organism, and that what we do affects not just myself as an individual, you know, individual, especially a, um, a dishonorable behavior or something like that. It's just not a sin by itself, you know, but it is something that I've uh, um against the entire community um, and things like that and so we can represent ourselves well and bring honor or we can re- represent ourselves poorly and bring dishonor and shame and so for me an example is um for instance recently there was this movie uh, you know the the old cartoon by disney mulan and throughout that whole movie the old cartoon is like bring honor you know to your family and that's what my dad used to say to us all the time when we were growing up you know we we left the country and 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 struggled so hard so we could bring you to this country you need to bring honor to our family because you're going to be and i became the eldest son of the eldest son the first one to uh graduate from high school and to college uh and to graduate in college and then you know graduate school and it was the sense in which it was a collective um achievement it was just wasn't just for me tom it was for our entire family so that sense of collective uh pride and and the negative of that as well.
2: You know, that's very interesting, Tom, because I remember talking to uh, an African brother from Burundi, Mm. and he was the first in his village to get out and leave Mm. to get a formal education. And he said that when he would come back to the village, um, he would drive up the street in in a rented car (laughs) of some sort, and people would line the dirt road and they would clap and they would say, our son has come home. Our son mm, has come home. Yes. There was a sense that one of us has made it great, and we're here to recognize him. Yeah. And that's that whole collective culture kind of thing. It's more than individual achievement. It's um, it's a collective achievement. And so right. similarly, collective shame and dishonor and, and all. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally relate to that in, in my own Middle Eastern uh, context, you know, honor is such a, a and I, sh- I should begin here too. Like, you know, I'm I was born here in the states, and my parents uh, immigrated, and so like there's this whole first generation thing that's kind of happening, and and my parents are younger siblings in in their family structures, which which means like, ironically, they they represent the new school, <laughs> you know, in, <laughs> in the Middle East. So like, you know. My siblings and I are given, you know, English American names. But when I think of honor and shame from the Middle Eastern perspective in light of my family upbringing, like I think of like our names, like what you are named. And I think of like my parents' names and and how like names are just so important in Middle Eastern culture. So my my dad's name is Amir and Amir means prince in, in Arabic. I know it sounds so fancy. I know, I'm not worthy. You know <laughs> wow. I know it sounds really impressive. Um, and and the way that like, you know, up until a couple of generations, up until this past generation, the way that names worked is you took on the name of your father as your surname. And oh. and you know, and if you think of this like in Egyptian village mindset, mm. you know, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, this is still part of like oral tradition and, mm-hmm. and things like this. So my, my dad would have taken on his, his first name is, you know, his, his name Amir and he would have taken on his dad's name as his surname. And so when they immigrate, my dad wanted to continue that, but he took on his grandfather's name as his last name because he, he didn't want to disrespect his dad. So his name is Amir Fahim, which is his dad's name, Gali, which is his grandfather's name. And so Gali is, which is my last name is actually my great-grandfather's last name, which means precious, which means valuable. Mm. Um, and Tim means you know one who honors God. And wow. I, I, I mean, it's just my name in some ways, but it's also my name, mm. <laughs> the, the name <laughs> that my parents gave me. And you feel that you have to live up to that to some extent. So that, that's what comes to my mind when I think of mm. like honor and shame in a Middle Eastern setting.
2: But well, you know, yeah. Tim, that, that just the naming conventions were not as, quite as complex as you. But in proper Asian cultures, you do start with your family name first, That's and then, right. you, then you follow with your given name. Uh. So you're known by your clan or your family first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then secondly, by your given name.
3: And if you're really traditional, you're known by your surname, your family name, and then there's a generational name, and then your name, yep. your, your given name. So there's two layers of identification to the collective, you know, to the entire family before you get to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tom, I really like how you frame that for us uh, on, on the collective. And, and that really does feel like a distinction in being able to understand failure and shame from Eastern and Western contexts. It's, it's that collective way of thinking that, that is going to be uh, different and unique. So I want to switch gears here, then, for a second, but but to continue uh, this, this idea of shame and, and honor, um, like like all people, I've been so disturbed by the increasing violence that Asians are experiencing here in the West. And you know, we you the three of us, we've been exchanging articles, and other uh, members of our staff have been ex- also exchanging various links uh, about the increase of violence that's happening to Asian Americans in particular. And one of the ones that you had sent uh, had uh, Dr. Russell uh, Jung, Dr. Russell Jung from Stop AAPI Hate. And it's a reporting center that tracks and responds to incidents of hate, violence, harassment, discrimination, child bullying, many other things against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Um, and some of the statistics of one of the articles that we had been passing around was stopaapihate.org has recorded approximately 3,000 incidents mm. of harassment and violence towards Asian-Americans in the last year. So, so when the pandemic started, or since when the pandemic has started. 3,000 incidents worldwide, uh, nationwide. And they break it down in three different categories. Civil rights violations, so workplace mistreatment, uh, whether you're, maybe you're denied restaurant service or ride shares, so it's civil rights violations. A second is physical assault which also included a high number of coughing and spitting incidents uh, in addition to the physical violence. And then the third category is verbal harassment. And related, as, as, an, as another set of statistics, they were noticing that twice as many attacks uh, happen to women than men. And there's an increasing number of attacks against the elderly. And so one story that's gaining, that has gained a lot of attention, uh, as you well know, is the attack in San Francisco of the 84-year-old gentleman, uh, Mr. Vicha Ratan Apakti. And I apologize if I mispronounced that. Uh, but he was a Thai-American uh, gentleman who was attacked and he, unfortunately, he, he later died from his injuries. And this is horrific and it's unacceptable. And we need to call more attention to this form of racial injustice while continuing our many conversations that that BIPOC inequities and injustices are experiencing. And again, this is just part of all the racial injustice that that we are finding ourselves uh, today, and so Jenna, I, I want to start with you again. Uh, I'd be grateful if we could hear what's what's on your heart when you hear of these many terrible stories of violence against the Asian community
2: Well, mm-hmm. oh, it, it just gets me so mad it gets me so mad in in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think of uh, these folk who are my elders, and I think of um, you know, the older you get in Asian culture, the more honor mm-hmm. you get. You don't get mm-hmm. thrown away, you're not seen as less useful, um, but you're seen as wise and somebody who contributes to the community. And um, I hate the thought that they're being mistreated. I hate the thought that um, I'm not there to protect them or help them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and um that's that's my responsibility, uh, because they're my elders. So it, it really, um, I feel like the folk who are attacking them, I, the word that comes to me is a coward. I just feel like you're yes. just being a coward. Why are you picking on somebody at this at this age? Mm. You know, pick on somebody your own size. Pick on somebody that you know can fight back. Um, so it really does bug me. But it it also um, it also I think comes into the uh, Asian thing of. We, we suffer a lot in silence we um, we somehow um, we don't voice this pain we don't we don't uh, necessarily rally or protest and then I think folk um, misinterpret that to say that we don't mm. care or that it doesn't hurt us <laughs> and mm. I think both are incorrect uh, interpretations of that action I think I don't know always why we suffer in silence. Um, but it's sort of like, don't complain, you know, it's just the way it is. I think that's partly why we have that image of being a model minority in this culture. Mm -hmm. It's because Mm -hmm. we don't upset the apple cart. Um, But I'm grateful for my younger friends because they're upsetting the apple cart. And they're saying, this is not right. Um, This this idea of being a perpetual foreigner, that's not accurate. America's becoming majority minority. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. folk have to get used to the fact that there are going to be a lot of us mixed race, one race, all Mm -hmm. these kinds of Mm -hmm. things. We're going to just be a whole bunch of us. And this whole thing of, you know, you're different, you're foreign, or, um, you know, my favorite line, your English is so good. Or sometimes they say to me, Oh, I don't detect an accent. And I'll say, what? You can't hear my Boston accent? And you know, it's that kind of craziness that reinforces that you don't belong in this country. Even though, um, for some of the folk who even asked that, you know, my my grandpa came in 1901. so. I probably have some of the longest roots on the staff of Boston, <laughs> if you really think <laughs> about it. And yet, when you look at my face, people say, oh, when did she get off the boat or the 747? You know, oh, was it recent? And it, it isn't. It's the long history. Um, so anyway, it just it makes me angry. Um, I, I really get distressed. Um, I feel it's a moment. And, and I think I think we're an easy target for the, the majority culture. I think they see us as we don't fight back. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, let's go. You can take advantage of this group. Uh, my last thing, I just, I read over the weekend that um, even Jeremy Lin, you know, former New York Knicks yeah. basketball star, he was called, he was taunted and called coronavirus during a ball game. And, I, you know, people do that and get away with that. And uh, <sighs> yeah. it's not right. It's just not right. Yeah.
0: I
3: agree. It's terrible because <laughs> not only Jeremy Lin, my son's name's Jeremy too, and when he was playing high school basketball during playoff games, they would taunt him for also being Asian. Um, and it was right here in Massachusetts, right, you know, here, and we're supposed to be educated and all those kind of things. It was just terrible, and then it's been even worse, you know, since the coronavirus and um, all these things. Um, it just really saddens and. Uh, really makes me upset as well. You know, that it is such a coward, cowardice thing. You know, you watch some of these terrible videos and most of the time it's women or elders and they're being attacked from behind. I mean, from, in, and this gentleman who, who, who was killed, he was pushed from behind and then he smashed his head on the sidewalk. Um, and it's just terrible what is going on. And, um, you know, we just need to recognize, and it's just a sad and angering thing. And it's very um, disempowering, I think, you know, because we can't do anything about it. It, it feels like it's, uh, you know, something that we really have a hard time doing anything about. But, yeah, because of who we are, we really identify. That's not just an individual. It's one of us. It could be, you know, my grandmother. It could be my wife
1: uh, who's being attacked. So I appreciate it, that. It's one of us. It's one of us. Yeah, and, and and based on what you're saying, in a collective community, one of us means a whole lot. I, 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 I resonate with that. Tom, could, could you continue just helping us understand that, uh, again, that – that distinction between an individualistic understanding of self and our collective. C- can you continue to unpack that? I think there's a little bit more there for us.
3: Yeah, I think not only do we um, represent each other and we kind of see each other as all in one family, if you want to think about it that way, um, we also try to honor each other and care for each other. Um, I think of my grandmother my mom's mom and my boy's grandmother, um, and how she has always kind of watched over this plan and things like that and recognize that as she thought about her future and she thought about, um, you know, how she would spend eternity, um, she tried to figure out, well, you know, is she going to spend it with fearing her ancestors as before or recognizing that in, um, because she's can come to Christ, uh, that He takes on her dishonor, she can be honorable, return to her Heavenly Father, uh, and also spend eternity with her family. You know, so there's this really interesting sense where, um, because, because uh, uh, many East Asian Asians and the majority culture folks think collectively in terms of honor, when we dishonor our Heavenly Father, we can come back and recognize that God in you know, through Christ, His Son, gives us opportunity to come back like the prodigal, and then we can be honored and received and, and and brought back into the family. And so that's sort of how she understands how she can come back to the family and be part of this bigger um, family.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I, I, and of course, there's personal salvation there, mm-hmm. but 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 there is there's entrance into family community by the grace of God as well. So it's, I I appreciate how that understanding would, would, would feel uh, that encompasses both like that.
0: Yeah, Go ahead. ahead.
2: I was going to just add that I have some friends who've been uh, researching um, the, the conversion rate or the, the, uh, the openness of Japanese Americans to Christianity, and even among the Asian American groups, the Japanese Americans have the slowest, have the smallest percentage of people who have have uh, who profess to be Christian. <laughs> And um, one thing uh, that my friends have done in their research is that they they feel like the presentation, uh, the typical gospel presentation, which talks about guilt and sin and things like that, individual guilt and sin, that it is not resonating with Japanese Americans. And the same statistic is true about Japanese people in Japan. By the way, they also are the the least open, seem numerically least open to Christian faith. So, so they did some research and they came up with a. a presentation of, of Christian things that is based more on this relational idea that uh, this your relationship with God is has has mit, met some place of dissonance and brokenness and that the thing that you think about is how do I make that relationship work again what is what is how, how can I restore um, proper relationship with God the Father. And it's just very interesting that that seems to speak more uh, to the heart of uh, the Japanese American person in particular than some of our more judicial um, presentations or views of, you know, gospel or relationship with God.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. You know, Jeanette, you, you had uh, made this distinction uh, about shame versus guilt in an earlier conversation that we had. Uh, can, can you help us understand the differences between shame and guilt?
2: Oh, help remind me. What was I thinking about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like More I learned something the, from you. Was it, it a we're Western it.
3: judicial system?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I think the guilt is a judicial concept that, you know, um, it's what I said in the beginning, right? The whole thing of guilt is a, Judicial idea that you do something and there, therefore you deserve punishment, and the shame thing is that uh, it's more the deeply internal uh, internalization yes. of the wrong that mm-hmm. I am wrong that I something is fundamentally broken within me. This is why this Asian American has spent a good enough. Uh, amount of time in counseling, because <laughs> it takes it really screws you up, you know, and it really causes has caused me to to have to spend time thinking through what this all means, because I you know I internalize a lot of those messages yes. that I receive from my my parents, my extended family, and all the rest.
1: Yeah, that that really is a, a a key element of this. I mean, the idea of Western guilt, it being a judicial understanding versus. <laughs> The idea of shame being so internalized, I—I um, I, I don't know. I feel like I learned a bit when when I was able to appreciate that distinction. Uh, Tom, in an earlier conversation, you you had uh, made a mention that the majority and minority culture dynamics are changing. I don't know if you remember telling mm-hmm. me that, but the majority and minority culture dynamics are changing. Can you unpack that for us? Like, what are they changing from and what are they changing towards?
3: Uh, we're talking about in America, right?
1: Yeah, but okay. feel free. Oh, <laughs> oh, we oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going switching. Yeah, I, huh? I, I guess
3: I think we were talking about. I was wondering whether some of these attacks are because of the changing de- demographics, you know, across America. Okay, as we think about you know, how America used to be 85-90% almost, you know, before the 1950s, 85% um, Western European of origin. And then since that time, we've really changed. And and today, we're almost uh, 40%, you know, non-Western. And within our lifetime, in another 20-25 years, we'll be majority-minority. And so that's really changing the face and complexion, you know, Mm -hmm. of America. And also, um, how we do what we do, because I think people are beginning to realize that uh, Western European way of doing things and thinking and, and all those kind of things are not the only way uh, to think, not the only worldview out there. Um, and now as their worldviews are in, in tension, um, we all need to learn how to um, adjust. We need to ha- learn how to appreciate mm-hmm. different perspectives. and And I think shame and honor and collectivity as we've been talking about is a different worldview that we can will really help us you know as we deal with different peoples from different you know parts of the world Uh, because worldviews are in you know in tension now
2: so let me be political here (laughs) and just throw in that the the rhetoric from the from the past president has really I think, inflamed things, but he's actually, he's caught a nerve, which is of the, the folk who feel like um, the America that they knew and have identified with is changing. And so that American uh, picture is worth fighting for. And what usually says to me in that, uh, in that narrative is that I don't fit in that picture. So therefore, I am the enemy to that that, you know, America is a Christian country for white people. And I may be Christian, but I'm not white. And when they see me on the street, they're not reacting to my faith status. They're looking at what I look like. And so that's what the 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 fear and the the violence. That's why it's so very <laughs> fearful. Because there's nothing you can do about what you look like. I mean, this is how God made me and made us, and um, and this is the package you get. But if folk are judging on that kind of external appearance thing, then um, it's 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 just a hard place to know where to go. And I I, I would say the past political system or. Uh, Governmental leadership just provoked it with, you know, inflammatory language, coronavirus, Chinese virus, Kung flu, all that, that every time I heard those expressions, I would shudder inside because I knew um, I represented that. I I remember seeing one of these hate crime things where these, this, this car goes by, SUV goes by and they see an Asian person and the white folk in the car shout out to them, said, thanks for giving us the coronavirus. Gosh.
3: I think I it's also, yeah, that, I think some of that tension is amplified too, when we recognize that uh, China and the East are on the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, I think there's this weird psychological thing that's going on. You know, America is like the super the superpower and has been since the nineties, right? It's the only one at the top of the heap. And now all of a sudden China and other countries are starting to vie for that. And I think it's this, you know um, weird patriotism maybe, you know, or something like that, um, that we're afraid to lose our place in the world, you know, kind of thing. That's part of that as well.
1: Yeah. I, I so appreciate you both sharing that. You know, I, I just saw that, that soundbite on video that you just mentioned, Jeanette, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) the guy yelling out of the SUV and, you know, we'll include some of these links in our, in our, uh, in our podcast link, uh, that you can see for yourself. I mean, these videos are, are disturbing and some of these mm-hmm. montage videos, the violence that's being committed against Asian Americans. I mean, I, I, I saw people being pushed from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I saw just beatings. I saw a, a woman being mugged for her purse and, mm-hmm. and being just, hurt, just dragged down just, the street, beyond necessary too. for a purse snatch. Um, Yeah, 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 exactly, and and people being dragged by dragged down the street as well. Um, I I just want to make a mention that this is just so unacceptable, and you don't have to be Asian to grieve this. Uh, From from myself as an American-born Egyptian-American perspective, whatever ethnicity or culture I'm from, I grieve this too. I mean, it is hard to watch anybody suffer uh like this or or being mistreated or discriminated or harassed or victimized like this. Um so I, I just just feel it's necessary to say that we grieve with with you, hmm. uh even though there has not been as much attention given uh to these terrible atrocities being committed. If oh, if I can you. if I can pivot for a second here as a release of failure and shame and, and, all of the, you know, even, even some of the violent violence that we're talking about too, you know, what would you say to your younger self in, in, and, and Jeanette, you you kind of mentioned this a little bit about like, you know, some of the, uh, the, the I take of umbrage for the fact
2: that you're referring to your younger self and starting with me. <laughs> no, let's start with Tom. Yeah. 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 No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs>
1: You know, when, when it comes to shame and failure and honor and representation, you know, what would you say to your younger self, your your adolescent teenage self that probably had all this pressure and expectation to represent the family well? <laughs> what do you think, if you could go back and say to her, what would you say now?
2: Well, being cheeky, I would say, start saving money for your counseling <laughs> that you'll need later to recover from the Asian family dynamic. <laughs> Which, you know, it isn't always a, you know, wonderful, honor-loving, fun thing. It is, it's messed up too, just like most of our families are, right? Um, but I guess, I wish I had a little more courage when I was younger.
1: Hmm.
2: I wish I had a little more courage to speak. I would have a lot of these thoughts. And, um, but it would... It, I felt like I didn't want to upset the apple cart and um, I wouldn't speak out. And a few times I did, I remember speaking out um, to my folks about um, the way that they were referring to black people. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. ways you can say it in, in, in our language that is more honoring than not. I remember correcting them mm-hmm. on that. Um you know, and I remember them looking at me like, you know, you little twit, what do you, you know, how do you say that to us? And I, I just felt like that was a justice issue for me, at that, you know, even at my whatever age I was. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I wish I, I just was more brave. I had been more brave. And, you know, now I'm making up for lost time and I feel like I do speak up in different ways. And, mm. you know, there's also a, a Japanese proverb that says the nail that sticks up gets pounded down. Mm. And I think I was very fearful of always being pounded down. And I experienced being pounded down. But darn it now. I think if the Lord brings Mm. something to my attention, then then pound on me. Pound Mm. on me. Because if it's the right thing that He has brought to my attention, then go ahead and pound on me. Mm.
1: Mm. That's beautiful. Tom, I, I appreciate what you were saying earlier as well about, you know, firstborn and pressure and expectation, what do you wish you could go back and say to yourself, your younger self?
3: (laughs) I think I'd wish I could tell myself um, to know that I'm beloved and welcome home. Um, It was always trying to prove to my dad that I was good enough. And his way of showing love was always to move the goalposts a little further you know, move it a little further because he just wanted us to stretch a little harder. But to me, it always felt like he never really loved and accepted us well enough. And, um, and I would tell my younger self to learn to rest, learn to, um, you know, there's a moment in the Gospels where um, the Heavenly Father speaks to Jesus at his baptism. You are uh, my son in whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased and Jesus is able to rest in that reality. And I wish I were able to do that more uh, so that I could give and live and serve and care for others out of uh, abundance of the fullness that comes from deep within, you know, the uh, eternal water that wells up. Instead of trying to strive to achieve this thing because I can't meet the goal, um, I wish I could learn how to had, earlier in my life learned to rest in that kind of uh,
1: love that we have
3: um, in Christ.
1: Oh, that's powerful. I, I totally respect how all that is connected. If I can linger on here just a little bit longer. So what would each of you say then to, to those who are following you now? Not, not to your, necessarily your younger self, uh, but to younger people now who are in a different context than, than each of us were,
3: hmm.
1: what advice, what, what, might, what advice would you have for them?
3: I would ask,
2: <clears throat>
3: I've been doing some studying on this. Um, there are different worldviews mm-hmm. and in different worldviews, you know, it's about guilt and innocence or shame and honor, or perhaps fear and power that drive a lot of the worldview and people in those different worldviews to find out what is really your deepest um, fear or deepest need. And how does uh, God come alongside you to help deal with that. that? In Christ, he can forgive us our sinfulness and our brokenness mm. and um, give us innocence but he can also give us honor because he takes our shame, Mm -hmm. but he also can give us power over evil. Um, You know, all these things are different. um, And, and, and the beauty of the gospel is it's many faceted. And as we think about who we are and the worldviews we come from, um, we recognize that God can meet us uh, where we are
1: deepest in need, I guess. That's powerful.
2: Can you repeat the question? My brother is a preacher, pastor.
1: <laughs> I, I, <know. laughs> I didn't want to cut him off. Uh, the question was: what would the, the first question before was, what would you say to your younger self? But that's a different context. I'm, I'm asking you: what would you say to those who are younger than you now? What advice might, might you have for them when it comes to it? any of the things that we've been talking about, understanding failure and shame? Honor, community.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, I really, I really think it's important to know who we are and where we came from, and to know um, that God didn't make a mistake uh, when He brought us into our home and the family that we were brought into. Uh, strengths, weaknesses, and everything. And um, I think once. We, we can't, that's what we have, and if we don't understand what that gives us, then we're, we just uh, fly through life with a lot of limitations. So for me, for example, I think one of the potential weaknesses of being in a multicultural church is that you might be focusing on the unity aspects, things that make us united, and mm-hmm. you don't focus mm-hmm. as much on the things that make you distinctive, that mm-hmm. make you who you are. I think we need both. And, um, right. and I, my, my prayer for my younger friends is that they know themselves that way, that they know that God didn't make a mistake, that he, you know, he gave us these families, you know, like Tom, my parents were never affirming. You know, <laughs> I didn't get a hug from my father until he dropped me off to college. And when he hugged me for the first time, I thought he was suffocating me because I didn't, because <laughs> what was all that about, right? You know, That's he right. was, I think he was going to miss me. I know he was going to miss me, but we, we didn't have that language. So I had to make sense of all that, right? And then, you know, and it did take a lot of counseling. Honest, I've joked about it, but it did take a lot of counseling because I grew up in this crazy bicultural mix. Yeah. And um, when I came to understand that, though, I, or, better understand it. I saw the strengths and weaknesses of it. So mm-hmm. I could I can so resonate with Tom with the go moving. Like the idea was not you weren't sufficient. What they were trying to say was to make you better. Right. But darn it, it always felt like you weren't good enough. Right, because right. yeah, oh, I got all A's. <laughs> well, you didn't get the A and That's the da, right. da 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 da. That my gosh, I've gotten all A's. My friends get money for all A's in my father's <laughs> name. You don't get money for A's. I said other people do, but you're Chinese. I said, what do you mean Chinese people don't have money? You know, we go through all these things, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was all this craziness. But you know, the real th- when I when I began to understand that that was out of love. Instead Mm of hurtfulness Mm -hmm. or punishing, whole different thing. And so I I just would encourage my younger friends to say, God didn't make a mistake giving you your family. This is where, you know, my theological size and God's sovereignty created us, placed us, Mm -hmm. gave us our our home, our circumstances. And, you know, most of adulting is trying to make sense of that. And then Mm -hmm. stewarding. Um, yeah. those parts of Keep ourselves right. going into the future. And well, that's what Tom talked about, the finding the places where our abilities match the hurts of the, and the needs of the world and then bringing them together in this beautiful mm-hmm. gift or offering to the Lord say, like, do something. Can you do something mm-hmm. with this, you know, um, <laughs> end of soapbox. Thanks for the chance to think about that though.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally relate to that though. I, so I, I knew I was loved in in my home, but my home pushed us really hard as well. Um, I, I'm I'm dying laughing about the straight A thing. Like I got straight A's, <laughs> yeah. But you also last semester you got this B minus, <laughs> and, and you but what look I pulled it up. Yeah, I That's know. Funny. But um, yeah, it, the goalpost moving is 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 a, is a helpful picture because it does feel that way in some in some ways. And I know everybody comes from homes you know where you know they want their kids to achieve so i get that if i can str- if i can just reiterate in middle eastern and, and other eastern homes there is a cultural aspect to that mm-hmm. where you feel like you're you're representing so much more than than you agreed to <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that yes. yes. <laughs> like, came out of somewhere it's pretty <laughs> crazy um, hey, I really appreciate this, and and we, we have covered a lot of ground, and I I, I feel like you've offered us hope. I, I I feel that you've offered us hope in a in a, in such topics that it's really easy to feel shame and be overwhelmed by by the pain and 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 the failure of it, and I I feel that you've spoken into that. Um, is there anything else? Any, any trailing thoughts uh, when, when it comes to the hope that we might discover in the midst of all this that, that you want us to walk away with? I'm writing
3: a paper on um, my dissertation on multiculturalism at Grace, and it ends with the beautiful picture of um, all of God's people together in Revelation before the throne, where every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, we're, we're all together uh, celebrating uh, the goodness of who God is, the beauty and the goodness and the love and the grace, and that we're doing that together uh, in harmony, not losing our distinctives, um, not um, being homogenized, but really a beautiful mosaic of all the beauty that God has made, that we're doing that together, and that we have opportunity to kind of to, Experience that and glimpse that little bit here um, as we await that day um, and speed its coming. So, this is a picture for me that brings me encouragement that even though we're experiencing these tensions in the here and now, um, across cultures, across different kinds of people, and all these different things, and yet there is a glorious, harmonious, uh, and affirming, uh, multiculturally affirming
1: future uh, for us all.
2: yeah i i'd um i'd only add that i think if i i didn't have um a personal faith then i would my temptation would be to despair um because the needs and the hurts of the world are so many and um so my my hope is similar to tom's my hope is is in the the power of of Jesus and the power of his resurrection, the power of his ability to change people and to change the world and to change systems. And, um, whatever I can do to be part of some of that, to bring some of that kingdom, um, presence, some of, of the, the, the love and the, um, the joy and the peace of, of what Jesus offers us then. Yeah, I'm all for it, but I, uh, I think without having personal faith, I would, I really would be on the other side of, you know, giving up and, I don't know, joining a rock band and being a rock musician and living in a trailer home or something. I don't know.
1: Is that where they live?
2: I don't know. I guess if you're not good, I would probably not be good as a rock musician. So that's probably where I would be at a very small trailer home somewhere, probably in northern Maine by myself. <laughs>
1: I appreciate that. I I'd, 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 I'd love, I I'd love to see you as a as a rock musician. So
2: Don't you think the moose would really appreciate you know somebody like me banging and out out there? You know, probably pots and pans. Probably wouldn't even be a drum set.
1: <laughs> well, I do want to say this, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to regret not saying this, so I'm going to say this. Uh, earlier, when you had mentioned that you wish you could say to yourself, your younger self, uh, to be brave. Um, Jeanette, you are amongst the bravest people that I know, and Mm -hmm. I am so encouraged by, by your bravery. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I also am just, it's, is not lost on, on me and many others that being a woman in ministry, going into the pastorate, when you went into the pastorate, when, when very few other women, oh, were going dinosaurs
2: back. were still roaming <laughs> across no, 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 no. the no, theological no. libraries of the universe, That's five years
1: ago, <laughs> All right, a little bit more than five years ago. But when you were entering into pastorate as a yeah. woman, those were pioneering times for for you and your colleagues, and and that is a very brave thing to do. And I appreciate your your courage.
3: Can I add? Can I add that uh, I also want to appreciate Jeanette because a lot of what I've learned. Um, as an Asian American has been through the ministry of Jeanette and so many like her who've pioneered the Asian American you know uh, Christian uh, pathway for so many of us um, that they dug those burrows so that we can go through more easily and uh, experience uh, the love of Christ in a much deeper way and, and so you went through a lot more counseling than we so I wouldn't have to. Thank you <laughs> <laughs>
2: We'll take that. Thanks, my brothers. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you to the both of you. Tom, I, I'm so grateful for you and, and all the helpful and excellent thought that you've given us. Uh, Jeanette, thank you again for taking some time out here and, and sharing uh, with our listeners here. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on this podcast uh, at a later point to talk about other topics uh, where we want to discover uh, the hope that we can we can find in this life uh, through through Jesus. And there is so much despair. There's so much pain. Uh, but thank God, thank God there is hope in Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, so Amen. thank you for joining us once again, friends. Yes. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, so. Al.
0: Thanks for joining us today. And we hope that you discovered something that will help improve your life and move you towards a better future and a better hope. If you are inspired and like what you heard, please drop us a note and subscribe to our podcast. Help us inspire others by sharing this podcast with a friend and neighbor. Join us next time. Thanks for listening.